Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening and welcome. Lori and I are trying something new to try and make compliance a little bit more palatable. This is an educational podcast of sorts that'll help you, hopefully, better understand your compliance obligations. We hope you'll enjoy these additional materials. And as always, if you're one of our ongoing comprehensive clients, don't hesitate to reach out with your questions because at Advisor Compliance Services, we love to talk compliance. Today, we're going to be talking about cybersecurity. All right, folks, thanks for listening here to, you know, Lori and uh, my coverage here about cybersecurity. So we're going to start off with what's new in cybersecurity for 2022. And certainly the biggest change is going to be that there's been a new proposed cybersecurity rule by the Securities and Exchange Commission. Okay, so I'm going to go through these really quickly and really briefly, because the most important thing that you need to know is this is a proposed rule. It has not been adopted as proposed. It is not final yet. I do believe that at this time, the time of recording here at the end of April 2022, that they have stopped taking comments on it. But we'll go ahead and we'll just hit the high points. The highlights of the new proposed cybersecurity rule for the SEC, and these are not all the changes, but the important changes are, first, the SEC is going to require, if the new rule is passed, risk assessments. Every advisor is going to have to perform them. They allow for self-assessments or vulnerability slash penetration testing by professionals. But the new rule, if adopted as proposed, would require them to occur annually and be documented, uh, obviously on an annual basis. The second major change is, is that they're going to want to see multi-factor authentication. And that's just going to establish the minimum security uh, or minimum for user security. Everybody probably is already using multi-factor authentication in something or in some of the things that they're already doing, so that shouldn't be new or scary either. The last two important changes for the new rule are the more controversial ones and the ones that may or may not make it. The first of those two is that the SEC proposes adding another item, item 20, to the ADV Part 2A. This would require firms publicly to disclose their cybersecurity risks and the incidents that they have in their ADV. If you're rolling your eyes while you're listening to this, so did Lori, so did I, so did Jennifer. We all did when we read this. It doesn't seem like a great idea, and that is why it's controversial. And finally, the last major change is yet another form. We have ADV Part 1, Part 2, Part Three, and now we will potentially be getting an ADVC, as in Charlie. This is also pretty controversial because it's going to establish a form for advisors to report significant cybersecurity events. Uh, the advisors would need to report them with this form within 48 hours of their occurrence and submit them on IARD. Again, if you're rolling your eyes, yes, I completely get it. Uh, it would seem difficult to report a significant cybersecurity event within 48 hours let alone to do it on IARD, that's, that's the proposed rule, folks. So any of the other changes? Why are we not really going over them? Well, because they're not really that significant to you. We already have you doing them. Uh, they're going to want to see encryption of data at rest and in transit. We've been working with you all for several years, though, and discussing that. So you, you shouldn't really be scared about that. As far as uh, the others, vendor management, We've been working with you all for that and you know, encouraging you folks to conduct due diligence reviews on your third-party vendors for several years. And a, a lot of you have, t- have taken that on board. This is just going to codify that. Thirdly, written policies and procedures for responses to breaches. I believe we added this to everyone's compliance manual if you were a client of ours last year. And then finally, 
annual reviews. We mentioned the risk assessments, uh, and then I mentioned at the end of it that they would be required to be documented annually. What we're really talking about here is for USEC advisors, and this is you know mainly who this will apply to unless various states adopt it. For USEC advisors, you're already performing what a, uh, a 20647 report, which is an annual compliance report that goes into your file that you know discusses the testing of your policies and procedures. This will just get documented into that at the end of your or in your year-end compliance report. And so that's really it. That's the big, meaty, scary parts uh, of the new proposed SEC cybersecurity rule. So without further ado, Lori, let's get into the meat of cybersecurity as we know it. Yeah, Scott. So what we're going to do for these podcasts and why we're even going down this route is, quite frankly, is to be able to provide the clients of advisor compliance services some better context and understanding of the reviews and testing that you're being asked to perform. So, for example, in cybersecurity, as Scott started off saying is the SEC has promulgated a new rule. Well, a new rule is what we never had before, quite frankly, in a manner in which the SEC has done in this proposed one, meaning before we always took the cybersecurity really from the guidance. There were risk alerts, there's Reg SP, there's Reg SID for the SEC firms. For the state registered advisors, really, I'm only aware of one state, Colorado, that has set forth in a particular rule cybersecurity requirements. So for the most part, we've been cobbling this together through this guidance and risk alert and has led us has led us up to where we are today, which is, as Scott had just mentioned, now the SEC is just merely codifying in a rule what it is that most of you have been already been hearing and receiving in the form of guidance and in ways of policies and procedures that are already in place. But it bears mentioning to go over these basically five general areas that form the basis of an advisor's cybersecurity program. So when you're going through the, the review forms and the testing and the assessments, this is going to give you the information in the context of why you're doing what you're doing. So, for example, as one of the areas that we're going to talk about is user security and access controls. That's a big one. Who has access to the private non-public information that you keep on your clients? And it's the policies and procedures for limiting access to systems and such things such as passwords. You know, that seems very basic nowadays. But again, this has been guidance that's been formed over multiple years. And so at one point, passwords were kind of new. And now we have passwords in place. Now we have policies and procedures that should pertain to the periodic changing of passwords. So now you can see that there's been a tweak along the way, even in that manner of as far as user security in the realm of passwords. You know, one of the other elements is revocation of access for certain persons when no longer necessary. So for those employees that are terminated, make sure that you have a process in place that when you have a terminated employee or a vendor engagement that you 
are able to discontinue that access that that prior employer or vendor had. So policies and procedures in that manner as far as user security and access controls. So not big earth shattering areas, right? Another area that they're going to be looking at and want to form as part of your policies and procedures is data loss and prevention. So looking at the area specifically about protecting data and systems. So now we're talking about the use of encryption, right? So we have encryption. Do you use ShareFile or Barracuda or some other mechanism in order to share your client's non-public information in a secured manner when it's quote, at rest, or when it's also in transit. So meaning when you're sharing it. So when it's leaving the secured protection of your books and records, and you're sending it out via email. So at that point, is there encryption? Is there also encryption what they call at rest? So for example, advisors that use um, servers, is the server encrypted, right? Because that's where the non-public information is being kept. So that type of data loss and prevention policies and procedures as it applies to your firm. So again, this all has to be matched up with how the firm's operations are. And everybody's different. If you use a server or do you use a cloud? And so we'll talk about a cloud and when we talk about vendor management, but let's further kind of talk about a little bit more about data loss and prevention because, you know, besides encryption, what else do you have? Well, you probably need to have antivirus and anti-malware in place. Now we know, you know, Norton and McAfee, anybody that has a computer is going to get inundated with those ads from those folks for that those services. So that would be something that a regulator will too want to see as part of an advisor's data loss and prevention efforts. So antivirus, anti-malware. Also, another aspect of it that sometimes gets overlooked is what do you do about old hardware and old computers? And do you have a process and policy and procedure in place for ensuring the proper disposal of those? So punch the hard drive and whatever it may be that protects the recycling of those those hardware and old devices. That goes into that bucket of the cybersecurity and data loss and prevention. Here's another thing, as I just mentioned, this all depends on how you use and your business model or your operations and what risks those that presents to your clients' um, non-public information. And one of those is mobile security, right? We're now married to our personal mobile devices. And so do you allow your IARs to have access on their phones to client files? If that's, if that's allowable or not. So as an advisor, you need to decide if that's going to be the case. And if it is, then are there adequate protections on that mobile device to maintain that adequate level of security needed? Do you or don't you allow that mobile access is another area where an advisor needs to be considering when they look through these questions, whether they have adequate policies or procedures. Because again, it's all based on operations and the risk that those operations present to your client. Now, of course, what we're talking about a risk is 
an incident, a breach. That's what we're talking about is, is the protections in place, protecting the clients from the unintended exposure of their non-public information. So do you have policies and procedures in place that notifies the people if their information should be subject to a breach? So a breach notification is important. And how other reporting may need to be made. Do you need to report that to uh, authorities, you know, and whether that escalation to the response is necessary and how you document that, because you're going to, as Scott just mentioned in the SEC rule, now we have possible disclosure obligations surrounding a breach. So, of course, the documentation in place surrounding that becomes even more important. One of the other areas that we should all look to is vendor management, because Who doesn't use outside vendors now? I mean, more and more technology and software is a daily part of of your lives and how you provide services to clients. So when you have those access points with those outside vendors to your clients' non-public information, the regulator is going to look to you to see if you understand that risk and whether you have taken an assessment of that and if there are protections in place. So one of the things that they will look at is the contract in place between you and outside vendors and whether there are breach notification procedures. So you should be looking at those types of contracts that if this particular vendor has access to my client's non-public information, if they get hacked and if my client's information is at risk, do they have a legal contractual obligation to notify you? So that's something that regulators are more interested in. So understanding one, what kind of access your outside vendors have, and then two, what kind of protections are in place either contractually with that vendor to protect that the risk that is subject to your client's non-public information. But You know, nobody is under the impression that we have to go back to paper and pencil and everything uh, needs to be done in a manner that doesn't reflect today's technology. But when you adopt different technology and different vendors, then your risks can change with that. And I think the regulators want you all to be aware of how that can play out and hence that annual risk assessment that is creeping into the new SEC proposed rule. So it's it's something that I think they recognize every company, every business struggles with cybersecurity. And just recently, as Scott mentioned, we're recording this at the end of uh, April of 2022. And just yesterday, our clients received phishing scam emails that were supposedly coming from FINRA. So even they get played. So they know that the risk is there and we all know it. And what we all struggle with as small business owners and and then especially for advisors is how what's too much and what's not enough. And so, again, what we're trying to do is, one, make sure that you understand everything goes back to how your operations expose or risk 
uh, presents to your clients non-public information, and then you're backing into these questions that are being asked in order for us or for you to determine whether the policies and procedures are adequate for the risk that's being presented. So when you go through these questions, just know that this is the context in which the, the questions are being posed. And that's what we're doing is when we, if the service that you're on is the comprehensive service, whereby we are evaluating your answers that you have provided us in the, the forms, that we are pointing out the gaps and deficiencies if there are some. And that's what we're doing is asking these pointed questions in order to bring out this information in order to measure it up against what the regulators are saying. So for most of us, at least at this point, we're doing this by the guidance. And for the SEC folks, at some point in 2022, you're going to have a particular rule in place that's going to put some more substance to this what we just have now been using is from the guidance. But again, not big changes, except for maybe that multi-factor authentication. Again, they may codify that in the rule, which um, would be a departure. But again, nothing very um, earth shattering because most of you have or are using it in some form or fashion. So Lori, I think this kind of brings us to just about the end here, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And as you were talking, I guess the the only final thoughts that I can really think of is, I guess, you know, as, as folks are going through their, these questionnaires, you know, the folks in our comprehensive service who are going through these questionnaires, I guess all I would say is, you know, of course, if you have questions, by all means, you know, uh, send an email, pick up the phone, give us a call, reach out and and let us know and we'll help you work through some of these things. But what about you? Any other final thoughts? No, I guess my only one other final thought would be to wrap up with the connection to the business continuity planning. I think we would be um, uh, remiss if we didn't make the connection to, you know, obviously, as advisors rely more and more on technology, the significant business disruption that business continuity planning is designed to, um, to meet is coming from a cybersecurity event, you know. So one of the things that I would recommend that uh, advisors do is when they go through the cybersecurity is also look to the business continuity plan and see if cybersecurity incidents and recovery is a part of their business continuity planning as well. Yes. Well, I guess that's it. Well, yes. Thanks a lot, folks, uh, for, for listening to this. We hope that it, you know, of course, makes it easier on you to fill out these cybersecurity reviews, maybe gives you a little bit more insight into what we're looking for and into cybersecurity overall. Thanks for listening. 